Welcome to the Revision Path podcast brought to you by Revision Path, a showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. I'm Maurice Cherry, and before we get started, I wanted to tell you again about our fundraising page on Tugboat Yards. Visit tugboatyards.com forward slash page forward slash Revision Path and donate today. If you like these interviews and want to keep Revision Path going and help us grow, leave us a tip in our tip jar or donate at any of the other levels. Also, don't forget that we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Just do a search for Revision Path, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. The more subscriptions, ratings, and reviews we have, the more people we can reach. This week, I spoke to Kevin Karanja, a motion graphics designer in Nairobi, Kenya. Here we go. Okay, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. I'm Kevin Karanja, a motion designer based here in sunny Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, I'm 21 years old and a lot of things going for me. Like what? What things are going for you? Uh, I'm getting more exposure by the day for my work, which is... Uh, which I could not foresee, actually, because it's more of exposure of people saying, I've seen your work, than me following people in round to look, look at my work, because um, I tend to be really down low with my work at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where have you been getting a lot of exposure? Uh, mostly from sites who want to feature my work in some sort of weekly, weekly exposure piece, or random people just emailing me about how I did something, or just telling me congratulations on something, or even sites that want to sell my work as prints. Yeah, that's actually... Very few people in this country can say that's happened. <laughs> really? Why is that? What's the what's the design scene like? Um, well, well, let's just talk about, like, what is it like in... Because I'm not going to say for the whole country, but what's it like in Nairobi, where you are? Okay, uh, I've taken it upon myself to actually know the how everything works in Nairobi when it comes to design. Um, this usually range. So uh, my conclusion is that when it comes to Nairobi, in particular, we are more of a uh, what do you say agency, corporate ads, uh, digital solutions geared kind of place that's where everyone is that's where all the money is uh there's less of any artistic merit to anything it's more of if it works it works uh churn out the same thing the other guy churned out because it worked for that guy it will work for us Mm -hmm. as long as the client paid for it uh we will never show it in our portfolio but as long as the work is done it's done there is more of that and less of let's make this and make it more effective in a sort of more artistic kind of way because I can't find a better word. Uh, there's less of that, but as we speak, more and more people are coming up, uh, are coming up to that side of thinking, which is really more or less more or less you have to sacrifice the corporate side of everything. So as we speak, you find more artists coming up, whether digital whether digital or analog, but more and more coming up, locally grown talent. So it's really more about function over, I guess, style and, and that kind of thing is what you're saying. It's more about utility. 
Yes, uh, which also goes to the point. The main reason this is is because there's a huge monopoly when it comes to advertising work, advertising and design work in Kenya. Uh, it goes under basically Scan Group. The biggest company there is uh, they merged with Ogilvian Mothers here in Kenya. So they just everywhere they have they have entire studios dedicated to one particular company. They have numerous numerous agencies just churning out the same work over and over because the turnarounds have to be really quick. And I speak from experience from two of those agencies. And my point was just to opt out of it all. Yeah, I've been in those sorts of situations where it's um, yeah, it's like a production type thing. It's almost like it takes all the soul out of the design because you're just churning out one thing after another. Another, yeah. Um, I was mainly I was mainly a motion designer, but also an animator, as they call me. Uh, but I still did a lot of graphic design work. Uh, I would have literally 18-hour days there uh, just because a two-minute ad for Standard Chartered has to be churned out before the Friday because that Friday has the highest exposure from people watching television. And if, if more people watch it, more people will see it. And if more people see it, we will give numbers to the client and the client will like us and ask for more. And at the end of the month, I'm paid a salary. Yeah, it actually didn't make much sense to me. I uh, I went into it all thinking it was glamorous, but oh, it really, really isn't. So that's primarily the major push as to why I went freelance to work more on my work, whether it pays or not, whether anyone will see it or not, but to work more on my thing and see where it goes from there. And I can tell you, in the past year alone, it's been one hell of a ride. So you're also doing some work with a collective there that's called The Nest. Can you tell us about that? The Nest is special here in Nairobi because before it, there was never anything like it whatsoever. Saying that there's an art collective, a creative a creative hub in Kenya is impossible. That state, that statement didn't exist before the nest. So what basically the nest is, it's a place where anyone with an idea, uh, anyone, just an idea, whether you can do it or not, you go there and find people. You can collaborate to push that idea, to create something. Uh whether it's physical, a physical sculptor or an entire company or an idea, a theory, you go there, you network with other people, uh, to f- other people you can work with from vastly different fields. Uh, one of the things that they do is called a, a, it's called a creative breakfast. Oh, it has another name. But what basically, what they do, they invite like 20 different people from 20 diff- different creative fields. Let's say I've attended two because it's a one-off thing, but I was lucky to attend two of them. Where um, you have an architect, you have a writer, you have a, a novel writer, you have a journalist, you have a dancer, 
you have a performance artist, you have an actor, you have a thespian, like more the classically trained kind rather than the film kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have different people and you come together and just share ideas. And from that, a couple of projects have come up from that. Or you can just go do solo if that's what you prefer. Uh. Yeah, we have something like that here. It's it's called, yeah. I think, Creative Mornings or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they usually bring in like one person and they talk and they ask questions and things. I don't think it's like a panel like what you're describing, yeah. but that sounds that sounds pretty good. So what's yeah. what's, what's a typical day like for you? Ooh. Um, my days are pretty pretty simple and straightforward. I am mainly a gamer and otaku. Okay. So if I'm not sinking time into learning and actually working on my own projects, I'm either playing some game I'm interested in, watching an anime, reading a manga. Uh, novels were thrown by the wayside, but that's my entire day is consumed by a computer or the other, my entire day. But I get a decent amount of sleep, like at least eight to ten hours of sleep. And my days, my days will be weird here because while guys are awake here, that's when I'm going to sleep. So like... Right, like right now, this is still my morning. My afternoon will be at midnight. So uh, that came out from working a lot of international jobs. Mm-hmm. So I had to last, like, uh, if it's 1 p.m. there, I had to last with them at that time without being asleep and things like that. Yeah, so my day is pretty straightforward, but a lot of time goes into learning and working, a lot. How would you describe your, your personal style? <sighs> highly confused. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people relate to this, but I think it stems from my never going to school to learn animation or design. Never stepped into an art school because we literally have none of those in this country. Okay. Uh, um, my process will basically start with uh, three days of panic. <laughs> then an hour or two squeezed in to find and panic here panic is in quotes but what I basically do when I'm panicking is just play games the whole time mm-hmm. uh, let's take the idea of a job that needs to be done in two weeks uh, that's basically five days, five days, ten days of two weeks, no weekends involved uh, I'll spend the first week panicking literally the whole week panicking wondering what the hell am I going to do because I tend to start from how something will look like mm-hmm. and then work backwards to the function and how things will come together. So in that week, I squeeze in like an hour or two of designing style frames, one style frame, then panic again, style frame, panic. Then I find that I just sit down, look like a uh, tell the client uh, your job will be done very soon. It's not even been started. <laughs> then <laughs> I panic. I know panic from the sense of wow, there is a deadline and that deadline needs to be hit. So it now becomes like five whole days, no sleeping, a monster fueled, energy drink fueled spree of design, design, work, 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 reiteration, reiteration. That, but that's more of the client side. If it's a personal project, that takes like 
a week of R&D mostly, then a week of execution, another week of refinement with a lot of panic sessions in between because I don't know what works and what doesn't. I have no blueprint for that. I've just developed a sense of style where I can make something look pretty, but I don't know why I'm doing something. And that's kind of negative, but at the same time, I work with it. So right now, I'm trying this thing where I work with gimmicks. Like, if I have a project, I find a few gimmicks I can throw into the project, then work from there. Yeah, so that's it. Gimmicks like what? Oh, let's say for example, um, if you've seen the Kili Ninuele project, uh, oh, the poster series that you did. Yeah, the poster series. Uh, what happened with that one? So I, I experiment a lot, a lot, a lot. So like, I have a folder which literally have has thousands and thousands of files of just quick experiments I did and just three away for another day. So I tend to look through those, then combine different things, and then find, like, a main focal point. Like, what will interest somebody in looking at this? So basically it mostly means reinterpretation of something most people know into something else. So you find, like, um, let's say you design a sleeper, Instead of the slipper being made of rubber, you do something simple and make it of wood. And then, instead of it just being made of wood, you find that the inside of it has syrup. That kind of thing. Mostly reinterpretations of just existing ideas. That's okay. my gimmick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. the poster series that, um, that you're talking about, it's based off of a Swahili proverb. And yes. it's, I think the way you mentioned it was that it, it sort of translates into intelligence is like hair every person has their own every person has their own uh i keep forgetting the english equivalent to that but it's i keep forgetting oh i've uh i have to go on record saying i hate swahili with a passion just hate it why is that oh mainly because it's forced it's a forced language over here like because it's there, we have to learn it all through our lives. Uh-huh. And it also doesn't help. My father is a Kiswahili lecturer and professor. So <laughs> I had a lot of talking to about not being good at it. Uh, but I still passed in it, but I just choose never to use it. It's basically more of a flogging a dead horse, a language which stopped evolving in the part in the 1800s. But all they're doing now is trying to shoehorn words into it mm-hmm. so that things work out. Sure, that's language in general. But this one, it's, you, know, you can't even say it's native to Kenya. You can't say that. Anyway, it's, so that project was basically, it was ironic in the sense that as much as I hate it, I sat down, thought of an idea and decided, wow, I hate Swahili, so let me find a Swahili phrase and make an entire project out of that. And it was fun. Fun, fun, fun. Let's talk about your first uh, exhibit that you did. uh, I think the the exhibition was called If Found, Return to Mm -hmm. Africa. Is that right? 
Yes, a how, phone returned to Africa. How yeah. did that? How did that come about? <laughs> that was a very interesting exhibition because it showed me a lot. The exhibition was held and hosted by the design, not not really the design, but the fine art fine art department of University of Nairobi. Basically, the only university with anything like art in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more fine art, painting, sculptures, and the things like that. And that's where most designers come from. Um, I was the only one who presented my work who was not in their class. I was just an outsider nobody had ever heard of. Uh, and my work was digital. Everyone else's work was paintings, pencil drawings, makuti thatches, bamboo thatch, baskets, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I went into it really apprehensive uh, that I wouldn't, no one would really look at my work because I made it in Photoshop with a computer. No, I, People here regard that as no skill whatsoever. It was the invitation was sent to me by somebody, a friend of mine who is in that class. Uh, So I decided not to use previous work and created work from scratch. Uh, There was no underlying theme really for my work. I just did a lot of different ideas and put it out there because I'd rather have design overload on people rather than try to piecing things that shouldn't really be put together. uh, So, on the day of exhibition, I printed out my work on A3 posters and went there and pinned them up. Ah, the reactions were interesting, to say the least. In what way? (laughs) Interesting how? Uh, Like good or or shocking? How how were they interesting? Mixed. Okay. Uh, Most people accused me of downloading all that work. Which was just nice to hear. Because uh, <laughs> what that means is that your work is so good, they can't believe you, a Kenyan who looks like you, uh, who is basically a university dropout anyway, was able to do this in the span, because all that work was done in the span of three days. Oh, wow. Uh, right up to the morning of that of that and that's with a lot of sleep and a lot of doing other things it was a it was a very short turnaround so because uh, that's i was told like just literally three days immediately i was told an hour later i started on that work mm-hmm. actually out of those ones i think i made 20 pieces and just picked ones which i liked more so okay the the reactions were from mixed in the sense that guys couldn't believe i did it other people were really impressed but one of my favorite reactions came from a lecturer there. Uh, she was like, okay, uh, you're not one of my students, but this is very interesting work. So, like, how do you make this? I told her, in a computer. She looks at me, in a computer, but most of this work looks like it was painted. Then I'm like, no, it's literally all in a computer. Then I'm like, okay, so which school did you go to? I told her, I never went to school. Uh, I went to do hospitality and tourism. Did not that did not work out so well, so I left that behind. So she was like, "So how long did it take you to learn all this?" I told her less than a year. Then she was like, "Wow! If only my students had that kind of initiative." Because most of the other work there was 
simple pencil drawings, pencil mm-hmm. drawings of people's heads, of George Clooney's heads, Jennifer Lopez's heads. You know, I find talent, there's a difference between talent and creativity. Everyone there was talented. If I could draw a stick man without making it, without it looking horrible, I would, I'd kill for that. But when, if all you do is draw portraits of people, instead of actually pushing your, pushing your talent past that, past the realm of just drawing lions and Maasai's and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's why I think it will be very easy to stand out here in Kenya. All you have to do is to do one small different thing. And that's it. Uh, But it was a really good exhibition all in all. Uh, It really taught me a lot on how to relate to people when they critique your work. Yeah, I agree from that. I really did. Now, there's there's one poster that's in that <clears throat> that's in that exhibition uh, yeah. that has uh, it's the the typography is very interesting, and you also created a font that's called yeah. Charvet. I think it's it it reminds me. I don't know if it's the same font, but it's certainly yeah. very uh, similar to it. How did you come about that process? Uh, so the nest approached me with an idea. They wanted, they knew I, I animate, they knew I love 3D work, they knew I can't really design. So they told me, make a font, do something you've never done before and make a font. And which I have to admit is one of the hardest thing you'd ever do if it's your first time. Because it starts out like a simple idea of do this, do that. But it ends up technically like a technical nightmare. So when they told me a typeface, I was like, sure, why not? But then they added a caveat to it. They told me, make an African font. I was like, (laughs) how do you make a font look African? (laughs) It was, it was, it was, oh God, I remember my reaction. It was such a preposterous idea. Well, I mean, it sounds like it would be because Africa is made up of so many different countries and and cultures and dialects. Like it's like an Africa, like when okay, so for example, like if it was in the in the in the U.S. and someone said something about an African font, I feel like people would have one specific interpretation of what that would look like. It would be like these big sort of like block, chunky letters with lines drawn through them. It would look very. Um, I'm trying to think of what it would look like. It would be very, I want to say stereotypical, but it, would, yes. it wouldn't be, I think, an accurate representation of what Af- an African font would look like because I don't think there is one specific interpretation. Yes. Um, what you just described was my second prototype. Okay. <laughs> um, the process of that, uh, that typeface, the end result, I... I don't want to say it took six months to make, but the end result took six months. From I had over ten prototypes for that typeface, mm-hmm. and I remember that's all I worked on for a very long time. The job it was a job actually; it was a commission of sorts for them, because okay. they wanted to get the the idea out there that they can help people. They call them um, curiosities. Like, you, they basically fund any, and I mean any interesting idea you give them. They will fund you. They will give you support, which is, which, let me add, is amazing in this country. 
an amazing idea. It's no one does that in this country. It's either about profit or nothing. Especially since the font font is free. Uh, they paid for a lot of my expenses in small, small things because at the time I was still going through a lot of problems. Anyway, I digress. So the process of that is literally the most interesting project I've ever done. It started out a simple idea, make an African font. So what I did, I made stereotypical fonts. I combined them with shields, with masks, with so many things. But somewhere... Two months down the line after showing Jim Chuchu a few things, uh, things really didn't click well. When I was showing them, I would look at the reactions of people, and I didn't like the reactions. Sure, they would say it looks good, but there's a difference in your reaction and saying it looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went digging and wondered. Some, an idea popped into my head. We've been called as Africa, we've been colonized for so, so, so long. I wondered, before the white man stepped foot on Africa, we existed. But how did we communicate? Sure, we had languages, but how did we write those languages? Mm-hmm. So I went on a fact-finding mission to find out. And dear Lord, did I find a lot of old writings, African <laughs> writings, Apparently, we did not use the alphabet. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, I think it's because of literally centuries of colonization that was just wiped the idea of traditional writing. But I was able to find a decent amount, especially from West and Central Africa. Unfortunately, I was not able to find anything in East Africa. Yeah, so what I found was that a lot of African, literally African writing back in the day was purely geometrical. Mm -hmm. It was all lines and diagonals, horizontal, vertical diagonals. They did not have curves. They did not have dots. They did not have small things. So as I developed the typeface, I realized the typeface looks a lot more like a certain group of typefaces uh, that's more contemporary and people wouldn't really look at mine and say, that's African, that's African. But that's the thing. How would you interpret an African typeface? Would it be an, a typeface inspired by African writing, a typeface made by an African, or a typeface that screams Africa? Mm-hmm. Because I will not go for the last one. <laughs> I really will not go that. And so in the end, I went for more of a, wait, let me design something that not only, an, let it never be used just for an African thing. Like you have an African extravaganza. Let's use an African typeface. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a typeface you could use for anything. And true to, true to it, a lot of people have sent work of what they've used the typeface for. And it's been really amazing because either it will be a project done over with, no one would ever see it. And the exposure from that was just really cool. As you can see, I'm on an interview with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. And I found out about you because there was a there was a report on, oh, I forget the website. I think it was ENCA. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. They, and I, I, I saw the video from there, and that's why I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Yeah. 
Um, what that typeface also taught me, because it was an amateur typeface, but what I got out of that particular project is 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 that it's actually pretty simple to if, if there's something that's not actually been done a lot and I'd love to get into it and I'm still in the process of that is interpreting African ideals in a more contemporary kind of way. Uh, in this, like the Akeli one, it could have simply been uh, it could have simply been a random project about an, a sci-fi idea of some sort. But taking a simple, because here people just draw lions and Maasai's and landscapes. That's all we see we have. But if we could take simple ideas, simple statements, simple cultures, simple practices, and interpret that in a contemporary way, and also vice versa in that interpret contemporary ideas and practices in more of an I say it really, really, in a, just think of it really, really less because I don't like saying it in an African way, mm-hmm. then things will be whatever. It's like, for example, um, we have this Makuti, like bamboo kind of thing. Uh, let's take a simple idea of guys here make, uh, they cut out bamboo reeds and leaves and make mosaic collages mosaics one of the two of like african landscapes um let's take a very simple idea and use the same style that is more african you can call it african and make uh and make a collage mosaic representing times square what will wouldn't that be interesting simple things like that but that draw attention to that draw attention is what I'm more geared towards right now. I got you. Well, the good yeah. thing about the font is that that can sort of serve as your personal stamp or your personal brand. Like you created a font and not saying that you would necessarily use it in all of your designs, but certainly you yeah. can say like, this is, you know, I made this typeface. This is, you know, kind of what I've done. Do you think you'll make yeah. any more fonts in the future? Uh, I'm making one specifically for a music video I'm doing. Okay. Yeah, pa, 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 pa. it's still it was it's a uh, supposed to be a CG body sculpture music video. So I'm still in the panic phase of that. <laughs> but uh, in the few battery life I had today, in the little battery life I had today, I used the time to design like the blueprint for it. Mm-hmm. I've already made like 20 of the characters, but it's less of a typeface. You won't look at it and say that's a letter A. It's more of each each letter is a glyph, a symbol representing something, and that will come into play in the song itself as the lyrics go by. So it's like creating an alien alien typeface, and I'll still release it with a music video. It's kind of a bonus to it all. Interesting. Yeah, uh, there's a guy, and I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is uh, Saki Mafundikwa. Um, oh, no, he, he, uh, he's done some design work here in the U.S., but he uh, moved to Zimbabwe, started a um, <clears throat> an institute for doing design and typography and things in Zimbabwe, and he's actually done a TED Talk about yeah. African alphabets. Um, I'll send you the link to it. I'll also include it in, in the show notes, but I think that 
if you if you decide to do more types like typefaces in the future, I think yeah. that looking at some of the stuff that he's done might help you in terms of of research or even just reaching out to him. Um, I've just I've just done a very quick Google search, uh, and just from the just from the front of the book he's written, African Alphabets, the story of writing in Africa. Mm -hmm. Just the cover is enough to inspire me to make another one. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, exactly. A lot of the things even on the cover itself is what I looked into. We really did have really nice writing in Africa. Like it's more akin to the to the Inca in South and more of the native tribes in South America more than anything. Mm -hmm. Like we shared a lot. And I'm sure he, I'm sure I'm sure he's noticed that. We shared a lot. Dear Lord, I'll buy this book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, well, I guess outside of this, are you working on any, any personal projects? Um, as we speak right now, I have the music video to work on. Uh -huh. um, and I'm mostly, my entire attention is on that because it's a very big thing. It will be a really big thing for me. Uh, if I can get that out and done really well it will push it will push it will go a long way towards what i want to be doing for a really long time okay yeah now, now you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the exhibit that you were you know kind of a university dropout you mentioned that your father is a uh, a lecturer did you have a very creative childhood in order for you to i guess create the works that you do now not at all. Not not in the least. Um, as with most countries, academics in Kenya, academics is the prime thing. Uh, a parent's dream is for their child to get an A in primary school, that's basically elementary, and high school. Uh, that's because we have two national examinations one after eight years, and then four years later, you have another one for high school. So your child getting an A and passing is, and then going to do engineering, law, medicine, because only A students are allowed to get into, we don't have Ivy League universities, we have Ivy League courses that okay. you have to get A's to get to be able to go into state-run universities, like public universities. Those are our people's goals. That's basically where everyone... So all through my life, I've been an A student. Constant, always have been. Uh, was top 100 in my province in primary. Got an A- minus in high school. So you could say that I was destined for great things in university and all that. But something changed. Uh, in my fourth year of high school, no, my second year of high school, I looked at a Kenyan. Uh, his name is Jim Chuchu. Mm -hmm. I looked at his work. I just stumbled. Back in the day, internet access was only through cyber cafes. Having internet in your own home was a luxury on itself. So, And that was just like a few years back. It's amazing where we are now. Anyway, so... I looked at his work randomly in a cyber cafe, and I fell in love. I, for one, did not believe a Kenyan, because there's that prejudice that Kenyans, we really aren't creative, a creative bunch. He makes amazing work. He still does. 
it was just stellar to look at his work. And I made a vow to know how any of that is done on that day. He was also part of a collective, uh, a band, a artistic collective called Just a Band. You can look them up. They mm. make music and if, and they, they are self, they are literally something I'm emulating right now. And they were my hero, my, literally my heroes, especially Jim. He was literally my hero from the day I saw his work. So I will carry around a flash disk, <laughs> which had only his work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where if I got any chance to have a computer, I would sit down and just look at his work. Sure, I've seen amazing work elsewhere, like from Americans, Europeans, and all that. But knowing that a Kenyan was able to create what he was able to create was just stellar in my mind. So down the line, I went through, went through the hypothesis that if I work hard in my studies, get an A, that will allow me and my parents to let me do design either abroad or at the very least here. Uh, that was not to be. Let's just say it caused a lot of friction and a big fallout with my father. Mm-hmm. So that's when I branched out. And that's literally two years ago. Uh, literally, actually. Because that's in May 2012. Yeah, literally, it's going to be two years ago in May. Uh, so that's when we had a big fallout. At the time, I was doing hospitality and tourism management at a local university, because that's what I was chosen for. Uh, Dropped out of that, went my way. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a decent laptop at the time and had a job. I got a job, was fired in literally three months. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, I wasn't good enough. Let's just say um, I could humor you by showing you the work I used to do back then. Literally, literally one and a half years ago, I can show you the work I used to do. Uh, it was terrible work and Kenyans, Kenyan standard work, work for function and not for anything else. So when I was fired from that job, I was in the hole for a lot of money, didn't have rent to pay, didn't have food. So, like, I only had enough money to buy uh, noodles, what you would call ramen. And that was my entire diet for one and a half months. Oh, wow. I had rent for one month, and if I paid that rent, I'd have no food. So, and there was, uh, at the time, there was no one to help me out. Literally no one. No family, no friends who could lend you money for such a thing. So, I was all on my own. So... It was a bad time. So for one and a half months, I would starve a couple of days just to do one thing. One thing, one thing. I paid for unlimited internet on my phone and tethered it to the laptop. It was horribly slow internet. But I used that to learn. I went through... uh, a drill to learn. Barely slept, barely ate. I learned, sat down, learned, learned, learned. I lived in a one-roomed house at the time, so it was just perfect for me. Learned, 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 learned for literally one and a half months. And literally all the work 
you will see on my Behance and website, all of it came from that one and a half months. When the one and a half months ended, um, I did all that work. The, the time was only for learning. So when I did that work, what happened? I did not see it, see it as being anything special. But I had about the nest and decided, uh, let me take a leap, leap of faith here because I have nothing to lose. So I sent an email to none other than Jim Chuchu himself. Mm-hmm. To yeah, He could look at my work, he could not look at it. It really didn't matter to me at the time, you know. <laughs> that email was replied in less than a week. And it ended me up actually meeting him. And let's just say I was integrated into the nest. The nest helped me out on a lot of things. Because, as he said, my work was different from all the corporate shenanigans going on. I was more of an artistic value over anything. Especially the fact that whenever anyone asks me, do you sell your work? I tell them, no. Actually, I even give out files if anyone wants to use them because that's how I learned from people being able to freely share their ideas and all that is how I learned. And I take that really, really, that's, I take that really, really, it's the most important thing to me, learning and being better than you are every day. I really don't remember the question, but that's the general idea. Um, no, that's that's good. That actually sort of feeds into what I was going to ask, which is where do you see yourself in the next five years or so? Ah, five years. Five years is a long time. <laughs> yeah, you'll be what? You'll be 26 in five years? Yes, I'll be 26. Where, where, do you, where, do you think you'll, where do you think you'll be? Where do you think your work will take you? Or where do you want to go, I should say? That's probably a better question. I want to go to school. I want to go to an actual design school one day. Okay. Which is a bit of a stretch looking at it, but I want to do that. But besides that, I want to I want to push my work. I want to push my work and myself. I want to do things that no one will do around here. I want to interpret different ideas from abroad and here, because as I told you, I am a big sponge of foreign culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, for most, most, all my high school life, I was big on the French. Um, did even I've done five years of their language all through my high school life and even after. Uh, before that, I was big on the British. Before that, I was big on the America, on American culture, if you can say that, but America as a whole. Uh, right now, I am on the Japanese, because mm-hmm. I find them a very peculiar species of human beings, aliens, I'd say, but they're just the most interesting people. So I tend to, and then on top of that, uh, my bridge to the outside world is mostly through games, from the online games I play, from the few, the few that I there are many because I play like ten games at any one time. Because being able those the culture the culture sponging in my gaming is actually what influences a lot of my work. 
like i see how things are done i see how thinking is done and things like that it's like for example when it comes to the japanese and their design the japanese have a really weird aesthetic when it comes to like corporate design it's because it's so colorful and so confused just look at a japanese manga a japanese manga cover and you will understand what i'm talking about things are all over the place it doesn't make sense but when you see the reason why things are done you kind of try to interpret that idea into your own design cuz i've read a lot about the grid system the grid system uniformity size ratio all that basic stuff but you look at japanese design and you're like they don't care about any of that they have their own thinking that i cannot know because i do not know a japanese person to ask them so i try to interpret that idea and then literally at that very moment do a project based on that and through that my work grows so as you could see from my tumblr my tumblr is basically ideas ideas i interpret from somewhere else and just stash them there not to take it as my own project but more of a a sketch a doodle of sorts so that from that from like the 50 i will do as doodles i make one mega project that will be that will slowly by slowly push me to the direction of having my own collective being able to influence one or two people we join up and actually do work together cause that again is something that does not happen in this country people here are more geared towards i will if i'm freelance i will do the work myself get the money myself get the credit myself and not want any help from everyone and as we all know there's no one designer who can do everything so I want to have my own collective literally by the end of this year like two or three like-minded people to share in that whether for profit or just for fun I that's what I'm working towards and one way and how my work the more work I'm able to churn out the more I'll be able to convince people that this can work it doesn't have to be about the money it doesn't have to be about pure exposure doesn't ha- you don't have to be called up by a guy in a suit for a job let your work speak for itself and let people ask you to do work for them cuz i have the honor of doing a music video for jim chuchu for his his music side project that he's doing right now and that would have never stemmed from me doing logo work business cards web banners or websites I am not on this interview because I did a logo you saw or designed or designed a funny billboard about ugali or porridge here in Kenya. It's cuz I got out of my way to do something that I really wanted to do and I want more and more of that cuz if the a lot that has happened in the past year alone cuz of my work I want to push if I can do all I have to do all I'm thinking is that all I have to do is make my work bigger 
better, push myself to do a lot more of things I'm afraid to do. And I think everything will fall into place. Anyway, that's the ide- idealistic world I want to live in. No, I think if you keep progressing at the rate that you are now with the quality of your work, you'll you'll get to where you're trying to go and completely surpass that. I have no doubt about that at all. Why, thank you. That <laughs> means a lot. I rarely get feedback, so that means a lot. <laughs> so just to wrap things up, where can our audience uh, find you online where they can see your work? I'm a pretty open book, so... I'd love for people to talk, chat me up on Google Talk, via email, Facebook. I'll give you the links if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, but for my work mostly, it will be through my website. That's why I, that's why I post my, my main projects. And my Tumblr is more of my everydays, my sketches, my doodles, ideas I'm toying with. And pretty soon, short, sort of my short blog on things. And also, if there are any gamers, Steam, I'm always on Steam doing one thing or the other. So, there are those. All right, sounds good. Kevin Karanja, this has been a, a great, great conversation. I'm really glad that I was able to talk to you and learn more about sort of what you do and, of course, what the design scene is like in Kenya and just... All of it, all of this has just been really good. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Kevin Karanja and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio and leave us a rating and a review. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like what we're doing with these podcasts, then show your support. Visit tugboatyards.com forward slash page forward slash revision path and donate today. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.